Greetings, lovelies! Welcome to another episode of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. And this time, we're strolling in Dragorama! I'm Ro, and I'll be your master of ceremonies. This week, we're looking at a classic 90s movie about drag queens on a road trip. No, not that one. The other one. We've already done an episode on that one. That's right, we're talking The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And joining me are the showiest showgirls ever to show a girl. First up, in a beautiful red sequined gown. Don't look too long, she might blind you. It's Amelia. <laughs> Hello. My name is Annabelle. And I am best known for my vaudeville-style rendition of the lifetimes and hauntings of Annabelle the Doll. You know her, of the Conjuring fame. And I can be found as Paris Navigator on Instagram. <laughs> right away, I'm just imagining, like, an Annabelle-themed, like, horror striptease. <laughs> like, the possibilities are endless. I'm actually really up for that idea. I'm next to see that. <laughs> Next up, who's hiding behind that giant feather fan? It's Nato. Hi, I'm Nato Kitsch, but you might know me better by my stage name, Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Kate Bush, I'm so happy to have you here. You've been so much, popular recently. <laughs> I know, and much like the characters in this movie, I too am running up that hill. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh. Finally, that's right, and finally we have a guest host this week. I asked them how they keep that giant headdress up, and all I got back was a wink and a joke about spirit gum. It's Kreif! Hi, I'm Kylie Watts, and I put on a hair-raising performance showing off electrical safety with a dozen comedy electrocutions. I can be found at The Engineer on TikTok. <laughs> Is, is Nikola Tesla like your sugar daddy? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I get all of the pigeon feed I want. Hooray! <laughs> Dragorama, by the way, is an actual thing that this movie showed in, and they literally just had the movie theaters put up a disco ball and shine it during the closing number. Uh, trust a movie about gays to be, like, a lot of it extra. Uh, before we get started... Uh, this movie contains uh, foul and derogatory language, racist stereotypes, straight-on gay violence, and queer-on-queer -queer violence. You've been warned. Now, on to the summary. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is about three drag queens who take a road trip across the outback of Australia to Alice Springs, which is located in the dead center. Tick, also known as Mitzi Del Bra, has been invited to perform at a casino there by his wife, Marion. He buys a bus, names it Priscilla, and invites two of his performer friends, Adam, or Felicia Jolly Goodfellow, and Bernadette, a trans woman who used to work for real-life Australian drag troupe Lay Girls, which we will be talking about. Along the way, they learn more about each other, perform in some super small backwater towns, make friends, enemies, find lovers, and perform some of the most beautiful yet lazily choreographed lip syncs ever put to video. Um, let's get right into it. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Was this the first instance of Bye Felicia? Um, actually, that honor goes to the movie Friday. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, don't ask me how I know that. I've never actually seen the movie Friday, but it's on my list. Um, but yeah, having a character named Felicia in a movie about gay people is kind of on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, Nato, Amelia, what are your, like, initial thoughts? This movie was made in the 80s, right? Um, 90s. early 90s, actually. Early 90s. I think, just right off the bat, um, it's always so, like, surreal, almost, to see bi- bisexual representation or, like, sexually fluid representation in uh in movies in like the early 90s late 80s anything earlier than that honestly oh Um, absolutely so i just like on that aspect like just i liked this movie a lot (laughs) yeah i really kind of dug how like sexually ambiguous tick is as a character Mm -hmm. like they straight up ask him like so you're into girls right and he's like eh are you into guys eh like what are you and he's like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) right I, I like really identify with that because that's like kind of been my sexual journey if you know what I mean like, oh, I like to, I like to, like, I like to say that my, my gender is, huh, and my sexuality is, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this movie's fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I was saying earlier before we started the podcast, it's like, this is the first time we've seen this movie, uh, for personal reasons. Um, but uh basically like yeah i can see what where there are comparisons to two wong fu because they were made at the same time like around the same time but i don't think they're fair but i think this movie it has a lot going for it especially like showing off like like um so it's kind of got like a lot of the things i like about siberia and him in it with like uh the scenery and the cinematography and yeah, just I definitely want to circle back to the cinematography um, aspect because this really is a beautiful movie. But before we do that, I think it's really interesting that you bring up Tu Wong Fu um, because I honestly find it really interesting that both uh, Tu Wong Fu and Priscilla Queen of the Desert came out within a year of each other have similar story beats in as much as it's about three drag queens going on a um, going on a road trip and getting holed up in like rural homophobic country. But I do think you make a good point where that's about as far as the comparisons can really go. Yeah. This movie, Tu Wong Fu is kind of like, you know, it's as, it's as deep as a cookie. <laughs> but it's, but I like cookies. <laughs> it's kind of, it's like the feel good <laughs> yeah. drag road trip movie. 
I mean, just like Wang Fu, it reveals the real, you know, LGBTQIA plus agenda, which is to find people that hate us and like make, make them, them not hate us. us. <laughs> I think my notes were literally like for the bar scene where they get confronted uh, by that lady. It's like, oh, look, they're in a small rural country town at a bar and getting accosted by, by like a, a homophobe. I wonder where I've seen this scene before. <laughs> um, I, I, I would like her a turf, not just a homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> I would like um, to say I, for the record, it is my opinion that Patrick Swayze throws a better punch, though. <laughs> Just for the record. Although, there's really, there's really something, I think, satisfying about seeing Terrence Stamp, like, knee a homophobe in the stomach, and then, like, walk away like, there. Now you're fucked. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I, that, to I me, was... To that moment. <laughs> it was, it was very gratifying, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go back to this um, relationship between this movie and Tu Wong Fu because there are a lot of really marked differences, especially between like the type of drag queens that they represent um, and how they depict drag queens in the movie. Um, I think um, Tu Wong Fu is based more around competition drag where... The, the gist of the thing is really about passing and being beautiful and, like, serving real-life, like, snatched-to-the-nines woman, right? Whereas uh, Priscilla Queen at the Desert is more about the showgirl style of drag, which is an older style of drag that goes back further into the early 1900s and is really about like show stopping costume pieces and big headdresses and wigs that aren't necessarily made out of hair or even fiber you know what i mean mhm yeah. i loved I just, as an aside, I loved the fucking wig that looked like those, like, lanyards, you know, that used to play with. Yes! Like, oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that was great. No, I feel like this movie is probably one of the last representations of, like, pre-AIDS epidemic, like, drag culture. Like, being in Australia, being away from, uh, like, Europe and America, I feel like that showgirl culture of gay drag lasted longer there and that's what this movie really represents is the last of that culture before AIDS really wiped it out right there there's not as much emphasis on passing in this movie i mean i guess there is a little bit in this um in the scene when they're in cooper pd and adam slash felicia is chased around by homophobes. Um, there's a bit of an emphasis on passing, but in Tu Wong Fu, like, they're literally in drag 24-7. The only time you see a character that's not in drag is at the very beginning of the movie before Patrick Swayze puts his wig on. And if we're making this, like, 
Patrick Swayze to Terrence Stamp comparison, it's really interesting because in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, Bernadette is literally the only one who is doing her thing 24-7, and a part of that comes down to the fact that she's trans. But another part of it is that, you know, when you're sharing a bus with two other drag queens, it's really kind of inefficient to be wearing the kind of big show-stopping drag pieces that they have in this movie. So I think that's an, that's another reason that the, this comparison to Tu Wong Fu is kind of unfair, even though they're very similar and they came out. And then there's this whole there's this whole side story in Priscilla with Hugo Weaving going to like get his child and like really like own up to what it is that he does for a living and like say out loud that he actually enjoys what he does. Like it's the the emotional and character journeys of the two movies, you're right, are like completely different. Um, and now I actually do, um, because I said we would, I want to circle back around to the cinematography of this movie, because, my God, is this movie beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. The sweeping shots of, uh, the bus driving through the desert with yes. Adam and the trailing, like, costumes, like, that is iconic. Set to the uh, set to the operatic like fucking overtures. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I honestly don't know why more drag queens don't do operatic lip syncs because the way this movie presented it is amazing. Like you start in with that close up on Felicia's face as she's lip-syncing to an aria from La Traviata. And as you pull out, you see her sitting on this huge shoe on top of the van with this long, long train of fabric just fluttering in the wind. (laughs) It's beautiful. Not to mention the fact that they have, like, so many, like, varied and different shots of different locations in the Australian Outback. Like, if you've never been to the Outback, and I would venture a guess that none of us on this podcast have, like, you'd be forgiven <laughs> if you thought that, like, it's pretty homogenous. But, like... Every location was so different, you know what I mean? We got different ranges of flat with hills and big rocks and um, even, like, the um, opal mines outside of Cooper PD. Like, when Bob was talking about these guys who go down, like, they wake up and they go down into a hole and then they come back out of a hole and then they drink and go to sleep. Like... There's so many varied and different, like, it's almost like driving from, like, Texas into New Mexico. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, Mm -hmm. like, just that, in that short distance, you have, like, so many different changes of scenery. 
It's kind yeah, of amazing. Yeah, I was shocked when I drove through North Texas to get to Colorado because I thought it was all going to be flat. It was actually kind of pretty. You could say Australia yeah. is the Texas of um, New Zealand. <laughs> I mean, actually, though, because like every, I have a lot of relatives in Australia, and they're all pretty libertarian, like kind of right wing, like douchebags. So I feel like that tracks for like the stereotypical, like you know, Texan asshole. Actually, uh, um, I have I have been to the outback. Thank you very much. It was very lovely. It reminded me of Texas Steakhouse a lot, but just with. <laughs> I'm Get not talking out. about Outback Steakhouse, NATO. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Apparently, no. So my friend actually went to Australia, and she was like, "You should go there because the two things they really love are the gays, her words, uh, and uh, <laughs> Texans. So you would like find you like a nice guy there." And this was when I was in college, um, and I almost did because I was like. Mm. I could I could do with an Australian guy, but I settled for French. Um, that's it. That's a tempting offer, actually. I'd love to go to Australia and find myself a nice, like, hot bloke. Australian gay. <laughs> nice blokey bloke. <laughs> I think they're mates in Australia, actually. Weren't we going to do this in an Australian accent? No, that uh, got... Not that after got... last week. <laughs> Don't ask me to do an accent. <laughs> Oi, mate! For another... After NATO went full unhinged on the hours, I think it's safe to say that we're done with accents for at least a month. I asked if we could do British accents for the entire episode, and y'all said yes. Okay, so... I tried to do British accents. Right, right. I thought we were only doing the Uh, intro. In case... So, as an aside, NATO is notoriously... um, the, the best at accents ever, for real, definitely, amongst all of us. Um, so, so I would fit in. <laughs> you're welcome anytime. Yeah, if you're if you're ready for this entire rest of the episode to turn into "Hello, mate," no, 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 the Barbie. Oh, then, like, by all means, let NATO keep doing accents. No, because you said not to do an accent for the entire episode this time, but last time y'all were like, "Yeah, well, let's yeah, go ahead." And so yeah, I I I am nothing if not dedicated to the bit. So. <laughs> Y'all said I could yeah. do it, and I did it. One of, of the main tenets of improv is saying yes and to what the other person is doing. And then NATO started doing accents, and I was like, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Were we talking about uh, trans lesbian Spider Woman and Sydney oh Opera House? Okay, like, I really want that movie, though, because I just oh want to like, outrage. Oh like, my god, I so... didn't know this was going to be a two-week bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of uh, beautiful things in the movie The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, um, <laughs> can we talk about uh, some of the lip-sync performances that yes. we get in this movie? Mm, because they're mm. actually amazing. As you said earlier, more drag performances to opera. Yes, more drag performances to opera. Um, I would like to point out the, especially the lip sync 
to I Will Survive that they did out in the outback in, uh, like, a circle of Aborigine Oh, I love that. People. That one was Where, so good. So yes. great. That guy was so happy just to join in and, like, dress up and do his thing. Like, I feel like everybody needs to bring that energy into their life. I feel like they did such a better job with the Aboriginal representation, and then they failed so hard with the Asian representation. Oh. <laughs> We're going to circle back to that, because I have a lot to say about that. But um, I think, yeah, like it would be hard to do a movie about traveling through the outback without including the Aboriginal people of Australia. And I think the way that they decided to do it is really sweet, you know, because it's it's such a sharp contrast to the people that had come to them before. Remember, Bernadette rode up in that mule with the two guys, and when they saw Hugo weaving in that beautiful green dress, they were like, nope, bye! <laughs> I was then, so afraid Bernie Bernadette was going to get hate crimed the moment she walked up to that truck. Oh, for real. Like, okay, who sees three people stranded in the outback, no matter what they're dressed like, and decides, you know what? I object to your existence so much, I'd rather, like, leave you to die. <laughs> like, yeah, Christians, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> That, oh, take, that takes some serious energy. <laughs> <laughs> All offense meant to right-wing Christians. <laughs> right-wing Christians. Left-wing Christians, like, you're okay, but you're on thin ice. You know why. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, and since we're talking about representation in this movie, I want to first talk about um, something that I think they got more correct, which is trans representation. Um, what, how do you all feel about Bernadette and her story arc through this movie? I'll go first. I honestly loved Bernadette. It, like, as a trans fan, like, it just, like, seeing an elder trans, like, She's in her, what, 40s in the movie? And this is in the early 90s? It's like, I never see that sort of representation anywhere. I'm like, that's really cool. And seeing the struggles that she went through being represented in this movie just let me see that I have a future. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I really, really, really loved how she just would not put up with uh, Felicia deadnaming her all the time. And it's just like, fuck you, Felicia, for that. Oh, for real. Deadname a trans person, catch these hands, am I right? Mm -hmm. Like, Felicia deserved so much more than being forced to sleep in the desert the first night for that. Oh, for real. Um... Although, I, I, I do think she deserved it. Um, I think... <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily make that connection when I watched the movie that that was why they kicked her out of the bus, but, like, 
I now that I've made that connection, I think, yeah, they probably could have gone a bit further. I just kept thinking, if I were Felicia and I were locked out of the bus, I would be so pissed. <laughs> Especially locked out in the Australian outback. That sounds scary as hell. Oh, yeah. There are, like, spiders and snakes and all sorts of things that can and kill all, you And all of them can kill you. Like, Everything can kill we're, you. We're all Texan transplants to Colorado <laughs> here. Well, not all of us, just me and But <laughs> I, I'm still in this hell state of Texas, but you know. <laughs> I think honestly, like even if like a koala happened to look at you wrong, I I still feel like you could die, right? Oh, you well, don't. You're gonna right, get syphilis probably. if you. Uh, no, is it syphilis oh, or is it chlamydia? It's chlamydia. I think it's chlamydia. Yeah, that's a thing. All koalas have chlamydia. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I think there's one aspect of um, Bernadette's story that I appreciated the most. It would have to be her her like romantic relationship with Bob. That was so sweet. Which I think is really interesting because, like, think of the amount of elder trans stories that you hear. Even, like, elder gay stories. And think about how many of those stories involve finding love. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think there was an especially touching point where Bernadette was talking about how and this is a this is a thing that still happens today and I'm sure Christ you can attest to this how there are so many people out there that want to be with trans people just so they can say that they've been with a trans person or mm-hmm. like Fucking consider chasers. it consider it a kink which is like even worse mhm <laughs> yeah like my my kink is trans people. Like that like it's a real thing and it's as disgusting as it sounds. Like care to elaborate? <laughs> I mean, Bob definitely shows a little bit of chaser uh characteristics, especially when you first uh, meet him, but he shows that he sees Bernadette as a person and as a woman, and that's what Bernadette falls in love with. And that, like, I don't know, like, the fetishizing of a body is just so disgusting and off-putting. And that's what so many people view trans-feminine people as, and it's just yucky. Right, and especially since it's a thing that still happens today, like, I feel that that aspect of her storyline is super relevant and, like, transcendent of time. Because so often we watch movies on this podcast, like Amelia and Nato, I'm sure you can back me up on this, where things just do not age well. This movie included... This movie included. Um, some aspects of this movie have not aged well, and we're about nope. to get to that, believe me. Um, <laughs> as, as Glenn, as, as I'm think, so excited for as, you to talk about the Asian representation in this movie based on every single time you said something along those lines right now. So, as the Queen I, Gwen Stefani once said, back it up, back it up. You got it. You got it. <laughs> 
You're right. She is queen. <laughs> speaking, speaking. Oh, what was it? Oh, Harajuku girls. Yeah. Oh, what Lord. was up with that? What was, what was up, up with that? that? Quite that funny. What, what was up? What were What were you on when you decided the Harajuku girls was going to be a thing? <laughs> White privilege. White privilege. White privilege is a it's like, a hell see, of a drug. Even <laughs> even even like our like our favorite queens have like like I at least hope that she's gotten better with age. You know what I mean? Because like doesn't she like exclusively some of, the, some of those Republican countries? Some of those songs were banger. Yeah, she is with Blake Shelton. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was my attempt at a segue. Uh. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I'm, back I'm, to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Back to, the back to Priscilla, Queen, queen of the Desert. Right <laughs> back to I'm so glad that somebody else besides me is doing this, because somebody needs to keep this podcast on track. What happens should... when you get people so... with ADHD together to do a podcast? <laughs> I was going to say, Tangents somebody needs... Galore. <laughs> I was going to say, somebody needs to keep this shit on track, and it, we all know it's not going to be Nano. <laughs> the person, by the way, who usually hosts this podcast I think is I somehow the most chaotic member of the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this now, because this is a topic that I did, like, I think the most further research into, and that is... Cynthia, um, our Filipino army bride. Thoughts? <laughs> well, oh, much boy. like the much like the Harajuku girls of Gwen Stefani, her entire character seems to be mostly used for just kind of stereotypical representation and almost like an accessory. I mean, like, she's literally speaking some kind of, like, you know, super racist, just, like, Ching Chong gibberish type stuff. You know what I mean? Like... The Vietnamese uh, horror kind of stereotype. Yeah, like, it it just really is playing into, like, this just, like... I think, I think she's actually was supposed to be Filipina. I know, but it's just the name of the stereotype that kind yeah, of covers... Yeah, like, it, it's... Like, she literally, like, comes into the bar, unzips her underwear, and stuffs a whole bunch of ping-pongs down her coochie, and, like, we we don't see it, but she's, like, supposed to also have, like, opened a beer bottle and, like, done... Like, it's... It's... It's a stereotype. It's a real thing, and, like... It's kind of overdone and tasteless. And it's also extremely racist. Like, let's get that out of the way. Like, it's, it is extremely racist and very tropey. But and the I'm way Bob <laughs> constantly calls her dumb and just demeans her every time he talks about her. Like, the flashback later on when uh, he talks about how he ended up married to her, he portrays her as clueless and not understanding the ways of white Australia. And it's like, not okay. 
So, like I said, this is the thing probably about this movie that I did the most research on because I knew that we were going to end up talking about it. And I was watching this movie by a YouTube, or I was watching this video by a YouTuber named Matt Baum. You might know I him. I love from him. His, you might know him from his Culture Cruise series. He did a video on Priscilla Queen of the Desert in 2020. And he talks about how in doing research for this video, he talked to a lot of Filipino people and asked them what they thought of her portrayal in this movie. And it seemed odd to me until I heard his reasoning that the ultimate response was, yes, it's tropey and kind of racist, but I'm glad she's there. Which I thought was a really weird... I thought was a really weird response. But as it turns out, this idea of Filipino women getting married to Australian men who are stationed in the Philippines is like a total real thing that actually happened. And so these Filipino women would move back to Australia and some of them would actually find themselves in the middle of the outback. And, like, I think nobody expects to move to Australia and end up in the middle of the outback, right? Like, you think you're going to end up in, like, New South Wales or Sydney or something somewhere that's, like, a lot more populated and by the water. So, I am going to pause it to you. And as much as I hate to do this, a sort of devil's advocate fashion, a story about a strong, confidently sexual Asian woman who got trapped in a relationship that with a man that she didn't love and then did what she had to do to get out. See, okay, I would, I would agree with that, okay, except for the fact... That aside from like, okay, so yes, I'm sure that is a situation that a lot of women found themselves in. Um, You hear about that all the time. Like, you know, essentially like people in uh, first world countries that exploit, especially like people in the military that exploit like, you know, um, the local women uh, into these like marriages and stuff like that. Um, But here's what I will posit to you is that the thing that makes it problematic isn't like addressing that issue. It's like the fact that instead of making her uh, a whole character that like actually spoke something based on like Tagalog or some other like kind of um, dialect that they speak on the, in the Philippines, uh, they just like kind of had her speak some gibberish that sounded like vaguely Japanese. Oh, um, absolutely. Was, no like, doubt. I'm not arguing at all against the fact that this performance is very racist and incredibly tropey and problematic. Like, that's a given. (laughs) I think it's actually kind of interesting because there's a lot of connection between uh, this character and the cheerleader from uh, from another gay movie because that, that actress was also like this, you know, I didn't see it. 
as a negative depiction. I saw it, you know, as like kind of empowering and reclaiming the tropes. I'm paraphrasing what she said. There's a whole like interview with her about uh, like what she felt about the character and stuff. And to hear people like actual like Filipino uh, men and women say something that's kind of similar to that, where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes, but I'm glad she's there. I kind yeah, I can kind of see it. It's it's an interesting dichotomy, and I think it's one that, like, as predominantly white people, uh, Amelia excluded, um, uh, Christ, I don't know you, I'm just assuming... <laughs> Um, oh, I'm white as a Northern European possibly can be. I mean, what's Bless. what's the what's the alternative? Um, I think, yeah, though? as, as predominantly white people, I don't think this God. is a dichotomy that we'll ever fully understand. I mean, okay, so like I can understand it, like from the sense of like it took me a really long time, right? Like, okay, so like I remember, I think it was like around when Made in Manhattan came out. I like remember this is like kind of like a pivotal epiphany for me in my youth i was watching that in theaters made in manhattan the infamous j-lo vehicle yes (laughs) yes okay so here's the thing as a young latina like the only representation that i really had was j-lo right because of selena especially like in texas like selena and all that like it was a big thing right Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But I remember, <laughs> like, feeling so satisfied and so, like, yeah, like, you know, this representation is what it is, but, like, at least it's representation. But then I remember this, like, very pivotal moment where I was watching Made in Manhattan in theaters. And then I think a couple of years after that, I saw, like, Modern Family, right? And I just remember, like, thinking to myself, like, okay, yes, we've got representation, but why the fuck is, like, she the romantic lead and she's, like, a fucking maid in a hotel? Like, why is this person, like, the lead and one of the leads in this show, like, one of the main characters, and she's a fucking gold digger, obviously, because she's, like, a Colombian. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes, like, as a non-white person, you kind of, like, get, um, you, you find satisfaction in, like, the bare minimum. And it takes, like a while to like really unpack that and like kind of I guess decolonize like your frame of mind into seeing like how okay like yes it's representation but like just because it's representation doesn't mean that it's good so I have a question by the way I I have to say what a trip as a race who is very much the colonizer how, what a trip it is to decolonize your brain space. Like, my God. <laughs> so how common were, like, uh, Filipino actors and actresses in, like, Australian uh, cinema at this point? Uh, I'm willing to bet not very common at all. <laughs> if this portrayal is any benchmark, then I would say that that is accurate. Um, I haven't watched extensively Australian cinema, so I couldn't tell you. I mean, I will say that... Sorry, go ahead. No, but, like, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, you really have to unpack, like, 
of like Filipino people say, yeah, it's kind of tropey, but I'm glad she's there. But like, also, like, why are you glad with like the bare minimum of like terrible representation? The bars on the floor, you know, or like the bars. The bar, on the yeah, floor. like it like, doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't take much to step over a bar that's already on the floor, right? Like, oh, Bato, get away from the floor! Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, y'all. I have to go get the bag of cat food away from the cat because he is literally dragging it into the kitchen right now. So, all right, we're gonna okay. take a we're gonna take a one minute ad break. I'll be right back. Hi there. Hi there. This episode is brought to you by Wish. Hi there. You know what I like during this month of Pride? Is Jurassic World Dominion Darkberry Dr. Pepper. Yes. Yes, Jurassic World Dominion Darkberry Dr. Pepper. Uh, sponsors Pride, much like Chris Pratt, colon, the gayest Chris. I don't think that's true at all. No. To quote Chris I Pratt, we I love gay people this. as much as I love Darkberry Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I need to find Let's it. Let's see. Um, I think it would be nice to go through some trivia about this movie. Because this, this movie has like had a huge impact on the world, right? It yeah. basically jump-started Hugo Weaving and Guy Pierce's careers, right? That's, um, that's, uh, Boromir, right? No. No, it's Lord Eggnog. Elrond. Elrond. <laughs> Lord, Lord Eggnog. Yeah, played by, uh, he plays Viggo Mortensen, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All three of the people you just named are different people, Amelia. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know who you're talking about. Lord Elrond plays Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, and, and, and he also um, plays and the Garfield the White. <laughs> so here's an interesting fact for you. Um, Hugo Weaving, um, Guy Pierce, and Terrence Stamp have all appeared in superhero movies as villains. Um, Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull in Captain America, the First Avenger. Um, Guy Pierce as some tech bro in Iron Man 3. And then Terrence Stamp played General Zod in the original first two Superman movies. That's fun. <laughs> Good for them. Um, also, another well, that's fun queer fact. Coding villains. Yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up because, like, I was gonna actually bring that up during the Cynthia portion of this podcast because, like, we were talking about being okay with like terrible tropey representation, and yet we sit here and allow Disney to just queer code all of our villains for us. Like, how is that fair? <laughs> Um, here's, um, I do want to talk about a little bit, like, the lasting impact of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, because it's done a lot of 
good things for Australia. Um, so Priscilla, Queen of the Desert comes out. Australia just falls in love immediately. Um, it spawned touring shows. Um, some of these touring tribute shows still run today, and they visit, like, out-of-the-way towns in the middle of the outback, like Cooper Petey. Um, like, they go to the locations that they visited in this movie and do drag shows. Um, it's been adapted into a musical that's played both West End and Broadway. Um, Australia's government called it one of the most enduring Australian films of all time. And uh, Broken Hill, their first stop, um, where they go to the bar with the really mean lady in the tank top, right? They have now um, the Broken Hill Drag Festival, which came about because of this movie. Like... This movie, I think, single-handedly made Australia like gay people. Okay, I have to stop you for a second and just realize we have not talked about the dress that Felicia wears in Broken Hill. The thong dress. Like, oh my god. That was actually, that was not Felicia. That was um, Mitzi Delbra. That was Mitzi? Oh my god. Yeah, um... I, yeah, I do want to circle back to that and talk a little bit about the costuming in this movie because it is iconic. <laughs> um, yes. I do actually, um, as a segment, want to go through and ask you all what your favorite outfits in this movie are because there are so many to choose from. Uh, let's start with you, Nato. Uh, what is your favorite outfit in this movie? Uh, you know me. I'm a flip-flopper, so... I like the, uh, <laughs> the thong <attire>. dress? <laughs> Okay, fun fact about the thong dress. I just want to know where they got all the flip flops for for that. From Target. Yep, it was seven dollars. The dress cost seven dollars in total to make, and it came with purse, heels, and a wig. The dress itself only cost seven dollars to make. What? And they got all the materials from Target. Wait, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Target in Australia. There's Target everywhere. <laughs> what? Um, Amelia, what's your favorite outfit? Oh, um, honestly, the silver, iconic silver dress from that, like, La Traviata, like, it's freaking mm-hmm. scene. With it's all the flowing. toll flowing out behind it? Yeah. Oh, God. Beautiful. So beautiful. So beautiful. Although if you hadn't said that one, I probably would have. was the lanyard wig. Lanyard that, like, wig, the, yeah. The pink and purple, or the pink and blue. Yeah, it's like blue, purple, green, like yeah. lots of cool tones. It's amazing. And I think it goes back to this style of drag that I was talking about at the beginning, where like you have these larger than life outfits and these wigs that are like only like suggestibly hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Christ, what about you? What is your favorite outfit from this movie? So I'm going to have two answers, both from the same performance. Uh, so bad that it's good has to be the, uh, 
emu dresses that they wear. I forgot. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are awful. Beautiful. But in such a way that it's just gorgeous. Like, I would wear it ironically. I love and the then, dresses. Oh, yeah. And then the Sydney Opera House that they wear together at the end of that performance is with, actually really iconic. With the big, like, tall French wigs. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You're right. As for me, I think since y'all took most of my favorite outfits, like, right off the bat, I think I'm going to have to go with Mitzi Delbra's chandelier dress that she wears to the hospital to see the birth of her son, (laughs) where she's standing with her arms crossed and she, like, puts the cigar in her mouth and lights it. I love that outfit so much. I remember the first time I saw this movie and I saw that outfit, I was blown away. I could not believe what I was looking at. That is an outfit that is worth flashing back to, like, four times throughout the movie. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it is widely thought that it is actually the thong dress from Broken Hill that was the tipping point um, that won this movie its uh, Best Costume Design Oscar. That's amazing. The seven, yeah, the seven dollar dress is the one that tipped the scales in their favor. I think. <laughs> you know what they originally wanted to have instead of the thong dress there? What is that? They wanted to do a credit card dress. Oh, that would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. But Mastercard and Visa, uh, or whatever the main cards were, none of the banks would allow them to use it in a gay movie. The banks were all too homophobic for it. <laughs> That's well, they amazing. certainly are I think now because Bank of do, America yeah. loves the gays. Happy oh, Pride yeah. from Bank of America. Capitalist <laughs> Pride. We love it. <laughs> Look, we let are big the, supporters the of capitalism. <laughs> we are big supporters of capitalism here at the Gay Anarchist uh, Yoga and Erotic Association. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had to say this on the podcast, but Ronald Reagan, daddy, let the wealth trickle down all over my face. Houston Pride, sponsored by Shell and Chevron. Ew, really? Gross. Yes. That's, oh no, I'm so sorry. Houston, why? Um... Now, quickly back to the, like, the impact that this movie has had, um, because I read out a whole long list, and believe me, it's not even done. Um, This movie was included on Steven Schneider's list of 1,000 movies to see before you die, and the bus, Priscilla, was actually brought out for the opening ceremony of the Sydney Olympics, but... U.S. television stations cut around it, so if you're in the U.S., have fun time looking for it. You'll never see it. Although, I think as revenge, almost, they included Kylie Minogue in the closing ceremonies and made that shit just the gayest ever. Leave it to the U.S. to make public transportation. I, I hope none of the children in this country were forced to sit there and watch this indoctrination by the gay agenda. 
Oh, my God, you better believe on the off chance I ever have children, which, believe you me, is not likely, but might happen. <laughs> who knows? Um, my children will know who Kylie Minogue is. <laughs> I think that's a requirement for a gay childhood, <laughs> right? No, right? you'd be surprised the amount of gay people who, in the U.S. specifically, who don't know, like, how magical Kylie Minogue is. My kids will know Kylie Minogue in musicals. Oh, my goodness. By the way, required watching, if you're down to do a little bit of homework, my dear listeners... Go look up her Aphrodite tour because it is literally like amazing. It it, it is like it the blows Alanis Madonna Morissette like out meets, of the water. <laughs> it's like the Alanis Morissette visits the uh, Navajo Nation. Of, <laughs> oh my god! Get out of here! Oh my god! I have <laughs> I have that DVD. <laughs> it exists. Is it ironic? <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Why am I the one who has to be in control here? I don't know, I'm just a guest. <laughs> I actively hate this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Christ. This is what you had to walk into. I'm enjoying it so much. It's pure yeah, chaos. Feel free to come back anytime, by the way. Uh, before we wind down, I want to call your attention to an alternate reality where Tim Curry is in this movie. Yes! <laughs> yes! Tim Curry, it's Mitzi? That Tim, Curry cool. is, Tim Curry was considered for the role of Mitzi, as was, I believe, David Bowie, and both refused. Mm-hmm. Both of them refused the role. Um... But wouldn't that have been amazing to, um, all of a sudden, in the middle of a lip-sync number, Tim Curry just looks straight into camera and goes, SPACE! (laughs) (laughs) And then the whole screen just goes to black. (laughs) Alright. As this show winds down, it is my distinct honor to introduce to you the grand finale. Amelia! Does this movie want to make you climb... uh, Amelia, does this movie make you want to climb a humongous rock in full drag, or does it make you want to shove it down an opal mine in Cooper PD? I hate hiking, but I'm going with the drag hiking scenario. Yes, I recommend this movie. It's great. Watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Amelia's like, no to both, please. (laughs) I don't like hiking. I'm sorry. All right. NATO, does this movie have you singing, finally a good drag movie, or does it have you singing, Mamma Mia, here we go again? Well, as you might know, that the creators of the Why why Isn't There a Straight Pride Month uh, created the spinoff of Mamma Mia called Papa Pia, Oh my god, um, really? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, Wait, are you serious? It's, yes. it's on Netflix? <laughs> yes. We have to watch it! Okay, Is that well... going to be a gay extra? Because, like, I'm so down for that. Uh, yeah, can we please? I recommend this movie. 
forgot what the first. Pia. Wait, to be clear, you recommend Papa Pia or uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Desert? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh my uh, Christ. Does Priscilla have you thinking about a big gay road trip of your own? Or does the 700-mile drive from Sydney to Broken Hill have you thinking maybe you should have flown instead? I mean, regardless of my opinion of the movie, I love road tripping, so I'm always going to choose that. But also, I highly recommend this movie. Um, as for me, um, we don't usually have the host do this. But I want to share a quick story before we go into the ending, which is my first roommate in college was obsessed with this movie. And I hated his guts. So for the longest time, I avoided watching this movie like the plague. And I have to say... Uh, this is not my first time watching the movie, by the way. But after the first time I did watch the movie, I immediately after was like, why? Why did I put this off for so long? This is absolutely amazing. So that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later and want to share with us your thoughts, feelings, and concerns, you can do that on Twitter, at GayEcapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. And while you're at it, why not leave a suggestion for a movie to watch in the future? We are always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Ro, and before we go, I'd like to leave you with some life lessons that I took away from Priscilla Queen of the Desert. One, don't try to outdrink a drag queen. You cannot. Two, dead name a trans person. Get your shit rocked. And three, it's not purple. It's lavender. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs>